the high desert in far east west Texas, this is the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with Bet Sports TV ratings. Welcome, I'm Robert Seidman, and uh, for today's episode, I am very pleased to introduce Anthony Krupe. Uh He's at Krupe 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 on Twitter, and that's C-R-U-P-I, 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 and Krupe was his name Uh Anthony has been writing about the TV business since long before I started following the TV business back in 2007, and you know, in 2007, he'd already been at Adweek uh, for years. And uh, since mid-2014, he's been with Advertising Age. Anthony is one of the smartest people out there when it comes to TV ratings, how Nielsen works, what's coming down the pike, things like out-of-home TV ratings measurement, and, of course, advertising. Uh, I've never had a a beef with anything he's written, which is, for me, remarkable. Anthony, welcome to the world's fastest-growing sports media podcast with that sports TV ratings. Robert, thank you for having me. How are you? I'm I'm great, and it is it is uh, my pleasure. So we'll we'll get to the uh, you know how did you wind up here and uh, and uh, what's your typical day like stuff. But I, I thought we maybe just start out of the gate with the uh, out of home measurement stuff. Can you can you briefly explain what that is, uh, where it's where it's at currently, and anything else you think should be tossed in? Sure. Um, so so one of the odder uh, wrinkles about Nielsen uh, is that for basically ever, they were never able to measure any viewing that happened outside of the traditional household that they had already set up for the client. Um, and so, you know, you walk down any street in Manhattan during a big, you know, when there's a big baseball game on or during the World Cup or any kind of big football Saturday, and, you know, you, you, you see tens of thousands of people who aren't being counted. Uh, so for the longest time, the networks would basically bake those estimates into the CPM of the advertising they were selling. It wasn't like they were getting, you know, ripped off or anything like that, but they were definitely, it just, it, it was just, it was a weird lacuna in the way Nielsen was measuring things. And, and given that sports is, uh, you know, the highest engagement levels and people tend to watch the advertisements, although there is an argument, which we can get into down the road, about whether people actually do engage or, or watch when they're in a bar or a hotel, right. et cetera, et cetera. Um, the, the fact that the, this, this very valuable and in many cases much younger than traditional homebound TV just wasn't being measured was uh, insupportable. And part of the advertising business is we, you know, we basically have put up with things that don't make sense forever. You know, everything from the Nielsen sample size, which is still, and I get random sampling and everything, but it's still something like 0.02% of the TV population. Right. Uh, there's just things that just don't, you know, they, we were promised that uh, mobile was going to be measured in a certain way by now, and there was going to be a unified data stream, so it was going to be make buying and selling that much easier. And, um, you know, there was a lot of breathless coverage about that last fall. Right. Uh, and it still hasn't happened. The software is all buggy, and it hasn't been implemented, and no one's, you know, writing any business against any of that stuff in the upfront. So for all intents and purposes, it doesn't exist. Right. But so... Now to come back a little closer into the into the present, anyways, maybe eight years ago, Turner and CBS started kicking the tires on a, a sort of third party solution to start measuring some of this at home stuff. Uh, Turner, specifically with CBS, they wanted to measure baseball um, because they knew they were getting an awful lot of uh, leakage with. Uh, especially like with the playoffs, right. you know, that's the, the back when the Yankees and the Red Sox were in every year. And, you know, you really want to take advantage of the kind of reach you're getting there. Sure. Um, and then CBS, this was when CBS and Turner started buddying up with the NCAA. So CBS started thinking, well, we would like to also see how things like college football and college basketball measure up uh, in these out of home environments. Um, the problem was they both used Rentrack, and it, it, it was never uh, not a verifiable, but uh, it, it was never 
sort of industry standard uh, for whatever reason. And so they couldn't really transact against it. They basically couldn't find any buyers who would agree to you know, make any deals based on the, the, this data that they were getting right. from Rentrack. And um, part of the problem, too, of course, is that buyers were loath to start paying for something they've been getting for free effectively because, right. again, like I said, they do bake it in, into the CPM, but that you, buyers never want to get it. Buyers never want to go to a client and say, yeah, we actually have to pay more. Um, it's bad enough to have to do that in the upfront every year for diminishing returns every year. Right. Um, I, I can't even imagine what it's like to go to, to you know, Procter and Gamble and say, yeah, you know, that show that's probably going to do a zero eight and C seven, uh, you're going to have to pay uh, 7% more for it this year. I, I <laughs> Sorry, that's just how we do business. Uh, but but to be clear, uh, that is actually happening, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and as much as I'm averse to writing about most of that stuff, because and, and I've gone into great de- detail about why it's sort of insane to write about the upfront, largely because you're talking about something that's kind of um, impossible to audit. It uh, it's it's uh, basically like writing about layaway because so much of it can be. Uh, optioned out of you can you can get 50% of whatever your TV commitments were that you signed on for in June in the second quarter you can pull out of and GM did that right. uh, several years back and you know and it, you do that knowing full well that when you come back into the market you're going to be paying uh, a hefty premium because you know the network ad sales guys have long memories um, but uh, if 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 there's something going on and television isn't working out the way you need it to work and you got to pull out, you can do that. Right. Um, the great thing about the upfront is you can also, you know, everybody gets something out of it. As much as people are like, oh, it's antiquated and it doesn't really make sense. It does make sense because you, as a buyer, you can basically get your client in the shows they want to get. Um, although that's increasingly less common usually just kind of by day parts. But if you say you really have to be in The Voice, or you really have to be in uh, Empire, uh, you know, (laughs) disregarding the fact that you're probably looking at a $180 CPM at this point because ratings keep going down and the price keeps going up. Um, Or more likely, you have to be in football. Uh, You can can lock stuff in and you get a guarantee, which means if – the rating that they promise you, they don't deliver. They have to give you inventory in other shows, which was fine in the old days because there was always plenty of inter- right. uh, inventory. Uh, the problem is, is when you're, you know, when all your entertainment shows, uh, I'm not going to name any names, but if, if you're basically doing a zero nine in the 18 to 49 demo in all your entertainment shows, Right. Uh, and your sports stuff is pretty much over with in, in that part of the season. There's nothing to give away. Right. Um, so we've seen years where people have had to give, you know, they, they'd have to make good by, you know, say you under-delivered grievously in the Olympics, and you have to wait for the next season and give away stuff and uh, – Sunday Night Football and The right. Voice, and I'm literally saying this after I said I'm not going to name any names. But <laughs> so, uh, and and uh, this is I, I completely uh, deviated from what we were talking out about. of home measurement. Try, yeah, and I'm going to try to bring it back in. Um, it, it's fine. I think, I think the broad uh, the the broad capsule of stuff that you're uh, that you're working on is uh, is good. Yeah, and, and I think it, it sort of pollutes everything too. So when it's front of mind that that's what's going to come out of the front of my face <laughs> when i think about the upfront I, I i will bore strangers on the train you know like oh boy you can't believe what's going on right now oh boy nobody wants to hear about it um uh, so anyways with the out of home stuff espn uh decided and rightly so because as you well know as you've been documenting uh for years now They've seen, uh, let's not say so much the, the live sports, because that's cyclical, but their studio shows have been really squeezed, largely because, you know, people uh, consume that kind of content in different ways. You right. 
you don't need to wait for sports center to come on uh to to get the scores and to get the highlights you know we carry the world around in our front pockets now and you know it's it's as on demand as you can get and i grew up where in a in a pre-espn time i'm dating myself but uh i remember before there was espn that uh you had to catch the local newscast and it was usually about like 6:20, and you got brock thornton or something <laughs> like that you know it was always a guy with like a toaster shaped head and uh a garish tie and he would tell you you know how the uh the local teams did in about a five minute burst and that was it yep. and then you you know you got the morning paper or you got the evening paper because that used to be a thing um and that was pretty much it and obviously espn came along and, and changed everything but and, and again my apologies for being so discursive i'm bringing it back in uh <laughs> so espn seeing a real squeeze in their their big flagship ratings which is sports center and uh and they've they've done a number of things to try to you know work that stuff out but one of the big issues they were facing is like how are we going to replace all these uh ratings points that are just sort of you know escaping from underneath the door and they say you know what we we think there's a real opportunity again for out of home and we know you know we've come against up against this argument for years um that nobody wants to pay for it and uh frankly we don't know if uh if the uh you know the, the fans are actually watching the advertising um because uh you know it's all based on uh, cue tones right. so you have to be in you know hearing range of the set but that doesn't mean that uh uh, you know, they're actually watching the ads. Um, and I think anybody who's spent any time in a bar, usually what happens is the only time you really talk to your friends and look at them is when the commercials come on, <laughs> you know, you're, you're riveted on the game right. and then you turn around and the commercials come on and you sort of ignore them. And I'm sure ESPN and the other guys who are getting in a, out of home don't really want to hear that kind of thing. But I think that's at least been my experience anyways um I, I also think way parenthetically that uh the the one danger of out of home is that uh, people are probably more likely to goof on your ad messaging because they're in a convivial atmosphere and right. you know <laughs> there's some there's some alcohol involved and uh Let's face it. You're probably, if you're in the middle of the season, you've probably seen that Geico ad 457, <laughs> or or heard uh, uh, Dennis Leary, you know, threaten you to buy a, an F-150 truck. Uh, okay, That's but, but, but just to be clear, the uh, the out of home measurement, it's not just in bars, right? I mean, it's hotels, no. airports, all those yes. other places too. The gym. Yes, as a matter of fact, that, that is something that ESPN is very very uh happy to uh, emphasize they 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 say just not bars don't think of it as just as bars as a matter of fact a lot of it is uh uh other people's homes uh you know who happen to be nielsen rated um and there's like a whole check-in thing that has to happen um but hotels and airports and um so it's not just bars i think bars the last time we talked about it i think bars accounted for maybe a fifth of the out-of-home deliveries. One but I'd fifth? Have to double check. I think it's a fifth. Um, I could be wrong, though. It's, it's definitely not. I assumed that it was probably the biggest chunk. And um, Do you remember what yeah, it is? I'm, let, let me come back to you on that. Okay. I've I, I definitely written about it. Um, but in, in terms of you know, doing this deal, and, and ESPN had called me because it was right before last year's Upfront, and um, I I have a great working relationship with ESPN, and uh, I'm always interested in what they're pitching, but my radar also goes up during, you know, right before Upfront is basically when most of the networks say in no uncertain terms, hey, carry our water for us, why don't you? Uh <laughs> Yeah, we're going to give you a scoop, and then you're like Jimmy Olsen. Oh boy, hot diggity dog! And then you go, well, wait a minute. You know, you're really 
do I get a commission for this? Because you're basically asking me to sell for you. And uh, that's not really what we do here. Um, but uh, I, I pushed really hard. I said, I, I can't do this. I can't talk about this. Um, as much as I'm interested in this, I've been writing about this for years. I got to talk to your agency partner, um, you know, and, and I, I got to have some insurance from them that they actually wrote a deal and that they're taking guarantees right. based on this very non-traditional television consumption. And it, it took a little while because I think they didn't really want to uh, identify the, the holding group. And, and, you know, and they still haven't been identified, have they? They haven't publicly. Yeah, I, I think the, I think most people kind of like in the business know now because you can't keep that under wraps for that long. Um, and I think I'm actually kind of I was hoping that I would have more of this done before we spoke, uh, but I'm trying to get some sort of a, like a circle back thing with the the guy who runs the agency group to get his sense of how the first year has gone, you know, has it been worth it? Uh, Because basically one of the things that was great about it is it's almost zero risk. Um, They're getting an incredible uh, uh, price break. And, you know, for being Uh, the first movie. For for the out-of-home viewing. For the out-of-home viewing, yeah. So they're basically, yeah, it's a three-year deal. And they're going to get, you know, the next the holding company that winds up or the next the big media shop that decides they want to give it a shot is going to pay uh, significantly more. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, that's what you get for being first in line. And it's, you know, it's, it's a very progressive shop. And it's one of those shops that's always kind of in the mix when uh, anything sort of, uh, you know, next level thinking happens. Um and it, well, it's funny too that it, it's because I mean we're basically down to eight, I think seven or eight major holding companies, uh, one big independent. Right. Um, so it's so centralized. It's 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 and again, it's I I, I I think most people know who who the the, the agency is at this point. But um, you know, part of the deal was like I don't I be them until you know they they give me the clear but uh i uh i think given some of the numbers that they got early on um and you know i think it's important to remember that they they only are measuring it's it's the top 45 media markets i think right um so with college football you're losing you know you're you're gonna miss out on some really football crazy DNA. Yeah, we should talk you know, about that for a second here because I, I think sure. a, a lot of people are under the impression that uh, this this talk of out of home measurement is uh, somehow going to be some kind of uh, uh, some tool uh, where you can actually uh, have a populist rating, you know, that measures the true popularity and. It's really not that, I don't think. I mean, I think it's an excellent opportunity for the networks to possibly make a, a few extra shekels, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't see it as an all-inclusive measurement. Uh, do I have that right? Yeah. I I, I think it's very going to be very much limited to what it is on, you know, in, in the most basic terms. You know, you're, you're getting uh, – data about people who are watching outside of the traditional environment. And, you know, there's going to be the agencies are going to do their own research about whether it pushes the needle on, say, you know, buying in certain categories. Like I would think that beer and spirits would be kind of a no brainer because you've got a point of sale right there. Um, although I'm not sure if human behavior works that way because I, you know, if you're a, a Miller light drinker and a bud commercial comes on and just cause it's in the middle of your football game and your team's winning by three touchdowns, you, you're not going to just see the commercial and go, Hmm, I'm going to have me a Budweiser. Uh, <laughs> you know, to, to, to that end, I think it was Nielsen actually published some data earlier this week that, uh, more people make 
more impulse buys food wise when they buy like off of Amazon than they do when they're in the grocery store, which really surprised yeah, me. Yeah, I, I think I saw you tweet that. And um, I, that to me was one of those things that maybe Nielsen should have kept under their hat because that sounds <laughs> insane. Yeah. How do you? T- yeah, that was my reaction. Like, what? Yeah. How do you do impulse? Bu- like, you're going to buy more popcorn online than you would at the point of yeah, sale in that, a grocery store? That was exactly... That was exactly the use case that I thought of was popcorn. How can that happen? Chips, Cheetos, don't get it. It it just doesn't. I mean, it it sort of reminds me of why uh, pizza delivery never really blew up online. I I know that there's all sorts of different services that you can get your local restaurants to deliver through the, the web, and it's a great interface and stuff. But pizza never really... Pizza never became that pilot thing that everybody thought it was going to be because the phone works better. Like it's it's just as easy to pick up the phone and call the local place and tell them you know you want a large pie with pepperoni and mushrooms on it, and here's then to go address. online. And go, beep boop 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 boop. Yep. But I think that was the thing in the early days of the internet. Um, we had this thing we called the Jennifer Aniston sweater because there was this really goofy theory that uh, TV was going to be completely interactive. Um, and this was driven mostly by the, the people from Internet 1.0 who didn't yep. understand anything about television. And they said, yeah, you're going to basically, in the future, you're going to have your remote in your hand, and then Jennifer Aniston is going to wear you like, she's going to, you're going to be watching Friends on Thursday night on NBC, and J- uh, Jennifer Aniston is going to have a sweater on, and you can point at her, and then order the sweater through your remote control. Um, and besides, like, the, the UI, which there's uh, no way you'd ever get that to work, um, that no one ever addressed the idea of whether anybody would really want to do that. Right. Like, what, what would actually be the motivation behind that kind of thing? Um, so we're getting a, a little smarter about that stuff, although every time I see another article hyping virtual reality – or enhanced reality or whatever. Aug- like, augmented uh-huh. reality. Yes, augmented reality. Like, yeah, that was supposed to happen 20 years ago, and it didn't. And I remember 3D TV, and uh, that was a that was a big bust. I, I, I think as long as the user interface is as clunky and uncomfortable and, frankly, just kind of dumb-looking, like, you, ju- you just don't want to, you know, sit in your house with a giant helmet on and, and you know... <laughs> walk around with your arms out like Frankenstein. I, I don't see, yeah. I, but I could be wrong. Yeah. I don't know. Wrong about- I, not even I want to do that. And I'm, I'm pretty much of a nerd, but I have no interest in that. Okay. Yeah, back it, to, it, it, sorry. Okay. Sorry. Back to Idaho. Back, back to Idaho. Um, so the early going, uh, ESPN shared some, some of the, the data and um, okay. So actually it was with the first quarter of this experiment, um, 20, almost a quarter of the out of home deliveries were in bars or restaurants. So 24%. Um, So that was the most popular place, but um, other people's homes, 16%. The gym, which I didn't even think about, twelve percent. Yeah, treadmills, and hotel baby. rooms. Yeah, and hotel rooms were nine percent. Um, so, you know, they they broke down the numbers. They 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 sort of showed the stuff that did particularly well. Um, I think most of it was a function of the schedule. Like the six uh, was up eleven percent in the eighteen to forty nine demo. Um, because it's on at six o'clock and right. that's peak gym time. Uh, and, you know, I guess a fair amount of people are in the bars, although the sports center seems like a kind of a weird thing in that iteration anyways, to, to watch in a bar, but who knows? Not um, there's nothing else on. True. The true. And, and six o'clock is pretty, pretty grim. I mean, there's not, there's, you know, there's the local news, which yep. they don't really put on in bars and unless something big is happening internationally or in Washington, you're not going to see CNN uh, for the most part. 
um, usually that's when bad things happen because right. then the CNN ratings go way up. Um, yeah, someone's – you yeah, need so, a terrorist attack or someone has to die, and, uh, and then yeah. CNN has huge ratings, right? Yeah. Um, unless you're in the airport, then you're stuck with it because they seem to have a monopoly over the airports, um, which is which is great when you're waiting when you're a nervous flyer and you're waiting to get on a plane and they're reporting about a plane that explodes over the ocean. You're like, well, I guess this is okay because uh, it won't happen twice in a row, right? I was on a I was on a flight. I guess it's what JetBlue that has the TVs in the, in the back of the seat. Yeah, the and, entertainment uh, system. Yeah, they had. Uh, I was watching. I flipped over to CNN for a second, and uh, they showed a guy, and it was an animation, which somehow made it worse. It was a guy. He had a rocket launcher on his shoulder, and they showed him taking down an airplane. Oh no! <laughs> and there's this little kid who was—I I don't know if she was unaccompanied or if her mom was just like in another row or whatever. She was like, what's that? And I was like, that was a bad cartoon. That, <laughs> no, let's watch something else. The search screen didn't work. And I was like, you, you know, you, if you want to watch cartoons, cartoons like uh, SpongeBob or whatever, be my guest. This is, uh, I we've just got to stay away from that channel from now on. That, that, that was just like, uh, I think the stewardess came by. And I was like, uh, I, I need all your little bottles of brown uh, liquor now. <laughs> Uh, you think they block that stuff out, but uh, but no. Okay, so um, so it looks like the early indications of out of home are pretty good, but it's currently you know one agency. Um, how do you see it playing out as far as other networks trying to hop on? I know Fox has played around a little bit with it. I don't think they've done anything as extensive as uh, ESPN has yet. Uh, do do you think we'll we'll ever get to the point where you know, maybe not the next day, but like a week later, we see what the out-of-home viewing was for, uh, you know, an NBA Finals game on a Friday night? I, I think it's going to be, for whatever reason, it, it, it takes a much longer time to crunch the data. It's almost like with C3 numbers in the beginning of the season where it takes right. three weeks. Because right. um, in the early going, anyways, it's been about a month. Um and I don't know if that's by design or if it's just the, you know, it's just a different way of processing the data because it's so much of it depends on the audio cue or, or whatever. But um, I, you know, I've asked for specific things and I'm still waiting to see the numbers for the NBA finals. Um, and I guess that's only been what, two, two weeks, two weeks, not even since yeah. the last game. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll 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 be a while. So I I think like with anything, they'll be able to accelerate the processes of serving up the data. Although I'm not sure if it's going to be public for a while because it still seems like as long as it's dribs and drabs and everybody's sort of kicking the tires on it, right? Neil's not gonna the you know the clients aren't gonna want the data released right broadly and networks probably won't. Um, you'd mentioned Fox. I, I do know that Fox is very interested, but they're also very cautious about, uh, they don't want to just jump in and do a deal for the sake of doing a deal. Right. Um, because there's, I, there could be some significant ramifications with supply. Um, if they get numbers that suggest that their, their soccer is, uh, really blowing up on Saturdays or, um, you know, their NFL stuff or, or the baseball stuff. Um, if it does, if it, if it's heavy enough, they could be in a position depending on how they structure their deals, where it actually could put a little pressure on the linear, uh, ratings, um, supply. And you don't want to mess with that because, you know, just the, uh, the whole supply. Give an example of how that plays out. Well, I'm thinking specifically if they're, you know, pricing based on a very specific sense of what uh, what a package is going to do. So let's say uh, say that 420 game, uh, which is, as you know, the the highest rated, most watched television show 
program, however you want to characterize it, on TV. Right. There is nothing, nothing that gets more traction than Fox's 420 game. Yeah, not uh, not Sunday night football, not Thursday night football. No, no, no not Sunday night, not Thursday night. If you, uh, if you take, go ahead. If you take Fox, and if you want to throw the CBS games in there as well, and consider that late national game a package unto itself, nothing comes close. Right. Um, like Fox last year, uh, if you throw in the Thanksgiving game. And that's always, you know, you always get a bump with total viewers, but the household rating goes down because everybody's in the same house. Right. We're all, all eat turkey and stuff. Um, and you can tell because all the coats are in the bed. Uh, the, they did 20, say their average for the nine game package, so eight, 420 games in Thanksgiving, 26 million viewers, a 14 2 household rating, which is just staggering. Right. Um, and, and if you j- just, in comparison, uh, Sunday night was twenty point four million and eleven four. So still the biggest thing in prime time, uh, and and it rested the demo back from The Walking Dead. Uh, but in terms of like across the board total day, that that Fox package is is everything. So say they they make guarantees against a 14 household rating. Um, if, if they're over delivering and they're going to, they're probably going to over deliver because they've got what, seven Cowboys games this season. Um, I think that's how much there was. The last time I looked, it was, it was almost, uh, and, and, you know, they, they basically, you get to, you know, you have a wish list. If you're the networks, you go to the league and say, this is the number one game we want. So obviously this year, uh, their number one game was Cowboys Packers. Right. Yeah, the number number one team versus usually the number two team. Um, and but they got they got the Cowboys and the Broncos, the Cowboys and the Packers, the Cowboys and the Skins, the Cowboys and the Falcons, the Cowboys and the Giants, and the Seahawks and the Cowboys. So that's what six. That's a lot. So and it, and, it, and that's that, for the game of the week. That's the game of the week. Yeah, um, they uh, that that's six, including uh, uh, the Seahawks game, which is on Christmas Eve. Um, and we saw what the kind of numbers the Steelers and the Ravens did, even though it was on Christmas Day. So, I, I, even even the uh, the holiest time of the year for a certain segment of the population is no match for football. Right. Uh, plus, what do you do? You you, you go open your presents. You you, you, you got to spend so much time in the the company of your family. Eventually, the, the football is is a great release valve. Uh, so the numbers are huge. The Thanksgiving numbers are always huge. So so if they they make guarantees uh, again, say like that fourteen. And if they're over-delivering, you know, if the Cowboys are as good as they should be, or if CBS, who has a lot of Raiders games, because, boy, they look like they could be contenders, you know. Right. Not, if Carr can stay healthy. Um, if, you, if you wind up over-delivering too much, and then you get all this extra, all these extra GRPs coming in from out of home, you're suddenly throwing your whole mix off. And it, it doesn't, it's, it, it could bite you when you go to like sell the next year, you know, you've, you, you're, you're in a sense, even though you're getting credit for some of those deliveries that you've never got credit for, you're, you're leaving money on the table still because you're basically, you're still just like giving away the store. Right. Um, I, I got it. it. It's, it's a, uh, it's weird. It's a weird, it's like a rich people problem, but it's a weird thing to complain about when you can't, make up your deliveries at all with the entertainment side, you know, where everything's averaging a one Oh in prime time. Um, but that's, you know, that's where we are with the NFL market. Um, right. uh, and it, which by the way, I, I'm interested to see how things are shaking out. Um, given the weakness of the, uh, auto category, I, I, I think I wouldn't chicken a little too much about it because, so many deals are long term, and you've got multi-year deals. You've got the clients baked in, so it's not like they can really—they don't have any wiggle room. But if it's 
if it's as soft as, as people are starting to intimate, that could be interesting to see what, uh, you know, what categories the networks try to uh, shuffle in there as a means to sort of, uh, you know, kind of take some of the pressure off. Um, you know, it's really early for that, though. Right. Let's uh, let's go ahead and transition to ratings. Uh, last year, um, there was a lot of focus on the NFL ratings, which were, I, I think, I'm um, I'm just using round numbers. You know, down around ten percent until the election, and uh, then kind of clawed their way back. Um, there were a lot of different uh, hot takes out there on the reasons. Um, what's your take on last season? Where do you see it going this coming season? I think the NFL has done perhaps one of the best jobs, at least as far as I can remember, in terms of how they've structured the schedule. It's almost like they realize that they can't afford to have a weak uh, opening run. And so they've jammed as many like high-octane games right up at the top of the schedule. So... The kickoff game is Chiefs-Patriots. Now, Chiefs might not be a, a big national draw, but that's going to be a fantastic game yeah. because that's a that's a really tough team, and people are going to watch, you know, because the Patriots are Patriots. The opening Sunday night game, that the first Sunday night, the 10th, is the Giants and the Cowboys. You got the number one market. You got Dallas, which is just guaranteed draw. They're like yeah. the Yankees and they are they are America's team when it comes to uh, TV ratings, national yeah, and, TV and, ratings. And this is and they they always put up big numbers even when they weren't particularly good, uh, largely because people like watching um, uh, Jerry Jones' uh, stricken face in the booth <laughs> when you know things are going yeah. bad for him. Guilty um, as charged. But so, yeah, I mean, and they're. They're, they're your fun team to watch. And I, you know, I, I do not enjoy the Cowboys one bit, uh, but they're, God, geez, they're fun to watch. So uh, I, I think they, they set it up so that, um, that it, 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 the, the idea is just to hit the ground running. So uh, the first uh, Thursday night football, and Thursday night football always seems a little underwhelming. Although again, if you take it, you know, as a whole, it, it was the number two rated thing in prime time. Right. Uh, after yeah, Sunday night. That, after Sunday night. Not that there's a ton of stuff to compare on the entertainment side because the highest rated in terms of the 18 to 49 demo thing on uh, TV that was scripted was the Big Bang. And it, that was a 3-1. Right. And it's maybe what six years ago a three one wouldn't even guarantee you a renewal right so that's where we are there um but the uh the the first uh fox is the first two national uh late games uh so they've got seahawks packers and cowboys broncos so that just that just screams big ratings um uh the CBS is Bengals Packers, which is kind of weird because you don't really think of the Bengals as, you know, much of a, you don't really think of them in the context of Green Bay, but Green Bay always puts up big numbers. Then you got a divisional matchup on October 1st with the Raiders and Broncos. Um, They really have built, except for the Monday night schedule, which always seems inferior. Yeah. And can they spend, yeah, and I get it. They have to have it, right? Yep. And, and 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 with their deal, and they they pay two billion to everybody's one point two or whatever. Uh, with their deal, they get all sorts of ancillary rights to to um, exclusive uh, um, shoulder programming and and and, and uh, highlights and clips and things like that. Um, but they just don't seem to. They always seem like they're the last package to get considered when they put the schedule together you know what they shouldn't be stuck with colts titans you know that that shouldn't be a national game anyways the titans should have their league minimum national game in london on a saturday on quote-unquote thursday night football and by all counts they should play jacksonville like they usually do and just get it out of the way um but they don't espn just never seems to have enough marquee games like i i'm seeing 
you know, Steelers, Bengals, that, that should be good. That's always, you know, the AFC Central or AFC North is always worth watching. And they've got Raiders, Eagles on Christmas, which could be an interesting game. I don't know if the Eagles will be in contention next year because you never know with them. But right. again, the Raiders could be, the Raiders could be playing for uh, like uh, home field advantage in the playoffs. So I, I do think the NFL has done a great job with the way they schedule. Now, I know we've kicked this around online before. Uh, I think most of the reasons people gave for why the ratings were down were pretty specious. Um, I think the worst was the uh, theory that had been um, propagated uh, by a lazy reading of uh, a poll uh, that said that uh, people had reacted uh, inordinately to the uh, Colin Kaepernick kneel down. Um, You know, and that that started with a story uh, that basically it was, you know, it was based on a Rasmussen survey. Right which very right-wing uh, landlines, you know, that you kind of add it up and you're like, well, so basically you're talking to a fair amount of older people because they have landlines and C&D counties. And yeah, so it's a lot of older people who are going to say, yes, I don't like this Black Lives Matter stuff and I uh, won't watch football because of it. But, right. you know, you looked at the demo breakdown after the first couple of weeks and there were on a percentage basis, there were as many African-American fans tuning out as uh, white people. So I think part of it is it was just, you know, the games weren't particularly good. There were an awful lot of blowouts. Uh, At one point, the margin of victory for the Sunday night games was at least 16 points. Um, and it just just wasn't an awful lot of good football. It, football was also going to that weird anti-parody that uh, the uh, NBA seems to be invested we'll, we'll, in right now. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Uh, um, um, but go ahead. I'm so sorry. So I think you know it was, it was a combination of lousy games, not particularly compelling matchups. Um, people uh, basically. Uh, were distracted by all the events uh, leading up to the election um, because, you know, we saw the cable news ratings were absolutely as high as they've ever been. And, right. um, you know, that became such a big part of the narrative that you, there's definitely a sense that if, if the game wasn't particularly good, people were flip over to something else. And in many cases it was, Oh, let's see what's going on on the campaign trail. Right. What, what, what new weird thing has happened that I need to be boned up on? So, uh, yeah, I, I think there was a lot of, uh, you know, gnashing of teeth and rending of garments about the NFL ratings. And, and the networks took it very seriously. They were concerned. But ultimately, it, like you said, it, it, it did bounce back quite a bit after the election was over. And um, uh, they... They made more money on ad sales this year than they did the year before. Even though the ratings were lower. Even though the ratings were lower, which, again, that's part of the weird uh, dynamic of television, which is if you want to dumb it down as much as possible, it's just a simple supply-demand dynamic. And as long as people want what you're selling, if the ratings points are down, means you have less supply to sell – you have less inventory, you have less eyeballs, uh, you charge more money. Yep. And and you can definitely get away with that with football because you know if, if you're a client, even if it's down. It's still uh, scale. It's, down, it's still, yeah, you can't, you can't touch the NFL in terms of reach. And if, especially if you're selling stuff that demands sight and sound and, and that kind of immersive – the experience uh, that only TV really can can give you, if you're a movie trailer, uh, automotive, you're gonna you're gonna pay for it. Um, right. And the, you know the studios love paying way too much money for everything. Anyways, their marketing budgets are usually more than the production costs, and uh, that's why I thought it was kind of funny when Les Moonves just let the cat out of the bag 
before, not this Super Bowl, but last Super Bowl, when he said uh, in in a way that only Les Moonves could say, you know, like, ah, we're, we're holding back a couple spots because we know some studio will come along at the last minute and <laughs> we'll just fleece them, you know, because they do. You know, sometimes the studios will they'll buy the, the, the spot and usually it's, you know, at this point it's, it's 60 seconds. So you double whatever it is that, that, that the, the number that's being kicked around out there. Um, so say you, know, you spend $10 million and they don't even know what cut down they're going to use yet. And, and I've had guys tell me that they've had the creative show up a couple hours before kickoff. <laughs> so, uh, so it's always great to have a, a big chaotic industry that loves burning money because they, they will they will make up for a lot of uh, uh, a lot of uncertainty in the market. Right. All right. Let's move uh, to the anti-parity NBA. So the, the finals just finished and, uh, the, you know, was again the best since 98. And yeah. it was remarkable because it was only a five-game series. But uh, Mulvihill, before he took his uh, Twitter sabbatical, he lobbed a grenade uh, of uh, how the NBA was doing overall. I don't know if you saw those numbers. Uh, you know, basically saying the finals are only a part of the story. It's true. Um, I, you know, I, I would say that the only part of the season that really matters is that the, that two month period when the playoffs start and uh, uh, leading into the leading into the championship series, right. uh, and obviously because the Warriors basically decided not to play nice with anybody and, and swept their way into the series that that eliminated uh, nine games right there, right. nine potential games. Cleveland swept their first two and then they beat Boston. They only gave up one game to Boston. So that's another seven games. So right there, you've already got 16 games that got taken out of the mix. Right. So as a matter of fact, this year, uh, there were the fewest playoff games in 10 years. Um, the total, I want to say it was 79. It was 79. So you've got, you know, you're never going to get all of them, all, all seven of the best of seven. But if you did, the potential is 105 games. Um, the average over the last uh, 15 years since they went to the best of seven uh, uh, throughout right. uh, structure is 84 games. So 79 is not horrible, but you know, you lose, you're losing a chunk of revenue with every game you don't have. Um, and it looks particularly bad in, in the wake of even just a couple of years ago when they had 89 games, which was because uh, it was much more competitive. But right. um, the weird thing is like that 79 is, the, the comparison, um, it, and I just completely forgot about this. I, I think LeBron has been around for so long, it's almost like he, I've forgotten how he just is there all the time. Um, but when San Antonio swept Cleveland in 2007, nobody uh, that was Yeah, it was a god, it's nine, 9.3 million viewers at 6 2 household <laughs> rating. I mean, I'm not going to say that's uh, Stanley Cup ratings, but that, that, that is, and I would have thought that sometimes market size don't really matter, um, and people like to watch, you know, the maybe the, not the crowning of a, a new champion because San Antonio had won uh, a couple times before, uh, at least two. I know they beat Jersey, and I think they beat Detroit in 2005, but. Um, yeah, just I, sure. If you sweep, you're going to have three fewer games, so it's going to be fewer people. But they just they weren't getting tuned in from from the get go, right? And and you had guy LeBron G, and it's like how well, people weren't watching. So for whatever reason, um, what I couldn't figure out is how a five game series managed to tie last year when the games were all so awful, except for the one that Cleveland managed to win, which was close. 
Um, but even no, the awful, no, even the awful ones were close for like a half or three three for, quarters. For the, yeah, that's true. And then then you come back from the half, and it's not. Yeah, do you do you tune out at at that point? You're already sort of vested in it. It's not like there's really anything else on because it's the summer. Um, you know, CBS hasn't put any of their new shows online. Uh, most of the other networks will not counter program because it, it doesn't make any sense. So it's not like there's much going on. Um, so yeah, I guess people tune in now, if it, if it had gone seven games, it would have been, it, I don't think it would have beat the Jordan year, but it, it would have been huge because remember like the last year, it was like th- over 30 million. Huge. Yeah. From that 30 million, uh, which is for, you know, for, anything nowadays is, is amazing. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the, uh, I, I also have this horrible theory and I hate saying it out loud because I, I, I superstitious and I feel like I have some power over things, which is dumb. Uh Um, I also like when I'm watching Yankees games, like I will stand in a certain part of my apartment (laughs) that control. (laughs) I'm going to make judge hit a home run because Uh I'm magic. Uh, which is so dumb, and I know intellectually that it's dumb, but it's like, nope, it, nope, it worked before, it's going to work now. Um, so I'm going to take credit for most of his home runs. Oh, okay, so here's my awful theory. Um, we were spoiled as sports fans last year. You know, it started with the NCAA uh, tournament, which ended, it was a complete nail-biter, and it, it, it ended on a last-minute shot. Right. And then... Uh, the world. Uh, then we had a seven-game series between uh, Golden State and Cleveland, which was just incredibly. Even though some of the early games weren't particularly competitive, the, the last game was one of the most entertaining games I've ever seen. Absolutely. Um, and we got the Cleveland narrative with LeBron, and um, it, it was just it was just huge, and it was like, okay, wow, we're really on a roll with this year. Then the World Series happened. And the World Series was great for so many reasons, but one of which was now we never have to talk about curses ever again <laughs> because they're so dumb and made. I, you know, it's Dan Shaughnessy's fault because he made up that whole stupid Babe Ruth thing. Um, Says the uh, guy who thinks uh, Judge will hit a home run based on where he stands exactly. in his apartment. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, am, I am nothing if not a, a completely unself aware. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, but, it, but, it, but it's like, it doesn't feel like there's any, I guess there's still the Cleveland Indians who have a one since the war, but there's none of this sad sack, like, right. oh, we're never going to win. And, and, uh, you know, as, as someone with, uh, deep ties to Boston, uh, I know people don't like to hear this, but the Red Sox became a very ordinary and very not interesting team when they won the world series. Because suddenly they were just another team with a giant payroll. Yep. You know, like they always complain about the Yankees buying their way in the championships. It's like, hey, you're number two. And now that you won, you're just like everybody else. There's nothing special about you. Sorry. I, I, I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we had that. Amazing. Just, just, and I know you're not a Cubs fan, but uh, it was good baseball. I'll, I'll, I'll just leave it, it at that. It, it was a good series. It was a lot of fun. Fun. Yes. It was the most fun I've had watching baseball in a long, long time. Um, and then the Super Bowl, which was just insane. <laughs> um, you know, first overtime ever. I, I had a, a sense of dread in the, in the waning moments of the third quarter. You just knew, like, they're going to – the, the Patriots are going to win this thing because that's what they do. Um, it, it probably didn't help that Atlanta just decided like they weren't going to run the ball anymore. And, um, but it was just almost like, uh, it, it was almost like uh, John Calvin came down and said, it's predetermined. You can't do anything about it. That's it. Uh, so we get, we get through all that. And it's probably one of the, one of the best sports years Ever. I mean, it was just in terms of being a, a fan, and especially if you didn't have a, a dog in the hunt, it, it was just a, just a roller coaster. 
so now I think we're doomed. We're gonna we're gonna get stuck with like just garbage for the next like ten years. Like, well, we, I think. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just saying because you know uh, the uh, the NBA Finals didn't look so hot. The I don't even remember the NCAA playoffs or the NCAA tournament. Um, I'm assuming uh, Carolina won because that's always interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I'd be lying I if I said I remembered. I do not. I don't. I didn't follow it much because my team wasn't in, and um, uh, I feel kind of like an NHL fan in that respect. Where that's kind of my theory about why Stanley Cup ratings are never anywhere near as big as they should be, considering you know the. You know, hockey, yeah, it's a local sport, but you think you'd stay vested in it if, you, if you're a big hockey fan. Yep. But they seem to just completely give up. Like, if your team is out, you stop watching. Um, and uh, the numbers seem to, you know, sort of bear bear up with that. Uh, so I just, it just sort of feels like we we got spoiled last year and uh, and now uh, we're, we're just back to business as usual. It, but who knows? We could it, get, uh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. So I was just going to say it's going to be inter- interesting to see where Le- LeBron goes. Uh, mm-hmm. I could see the Western Conference final outdoing the NBA finals if you get some kind of a Golden State versus LeBron in the uh, Western Conference final. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can see that happening. I guess it would all have to depend on who gets in, um, you know, in the East. Right. Uh, yeah, Lakers Celtic you know, is always good. Yeah, yeah. If if uh, if this Porzingis stuff turns out to be true, um, in in which case uh, I I will bring the just, ugh, I don't even want to get into it. Uh, Bill I, Jackson. Uh, but uh, and he goes to the Celtics and. The Celtics went pretty deep. They they uh, they ran into the immovable object that, that was the, the Cavs this year. But right. uh, a Celtics Warriors thing that that would be that'd be huge. But you know we'll see we'll see where LeBron winds up. Um, and then in October, the two of the top three teams in the AL right now are the Yankees and the Red Sox. So Boston or Boston <laughs> Fox has got to be pretty excited about the possibilities there. I, I uh, think they, think they need the Cubs to claw their way back in. Yankees Cubs mm-hmm. World Series, they take that. Yeah, I, or or the Dodgers cuz you know, uh that 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 would do big numbers you'd think just given the size of the markets and uh uh but the Cubs the Yankees Cubs that somehow feels more as much as the Yankees are Dodgers always had the rivalry when they were in uh, Brooklyn and in the seventies, the Tommy Lasorda era. You found about the Yankees Cubs just sort of aesthetically seems interesting. Um, but I don't know, like, you know, the Yankees were supposed to be, this was supposed to be very much a rebuilding year and they're, they're punching way past their way right now, especially considering where their pitching staff is. So, you know, we'll see. I think I think Fox would take uh, any any kind of combination of Boston, pretty much anybody. Um, I, I'd be interesting to see. You know, Arizona looks good. That that's Arizona, Colorado is probably not who they'd like to see advance. Uh, but if it's but New knows? York or Boston, I think they'd take it. Oh God, yeah, yeah. I can't I can't remember who has the rights to the. AL championship, but any any kind of combination of that would be because uh, they put up such huge numbers in the uh, in the first uh, part of the. I think Fox uh, has ALCS this year. Oh, they do. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, they, be... they 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 had all the the Cubs games on FS1 last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Anthony. Thanks uh, for joining me on this episode. Uh, I had a lot of fun talking to you. Thanks for having me, Robert. It's great to be here. 
next time on the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with that sports TV ratings, uh, John Rand and uh, Austin Carp from the Sports Business Journal. Now you listen and you listen good, see? What you gotta do is, I got this show, it's gonna do an 07 and C7. Well, it's a piece of fucking shit, that's why. <laughs> but but, but, but the, the, you know how the dynamics work. So what, what you're gonna do is you're gonna pay me a 7% CPM. Oh, don't fuck around with me, God damn it! It's a fucking sign of the line that's dotted. Jesus fucking Christ, don't, don't give me that look. <laughs>